Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Greetings to you all. Welcome to Back to Ashes. My name is Phoenix. Before I get started, I would like to thank the reform members of the channel. Tammy Slayton, C.A.G., Interscare Wifey, Denise S., Through Scrutiny, Samantha Play, Stephanie McLaren, Corpse Lover, Norma D.W., Chrissy Elias, Cindy Cleveland, and Patty's Niece. If you would like to learn how to become a member of the channel or would like to buy me a coffee, all of that information can be found down below. Also, if you are new here or haven't done so already, please don't forget to subscribe, like, share, and comment. Not only does it help the channel, but it also reminds you of every time I upload a video. With all of that being said, it is time to go back to ashes. For once we arise from the ashes, we are a bigger, brighter, stronger, and a happier person in the morning. Sit back, relax, kick back, grab a snack, or tuck in to get warm, and prepare for this dose of vocal melatonin entitled True Creepy Encounters. Right after this intro and ad will play, I'll read the first story and ad will play, and after that there will be no more ads within this video. This isn't as creepy as some of the stories on here, but it freaked me out when it happened, so I thought I'd share it with you. One time, when I was about 14 or 15, I went to the library to pick up a book. I stopped to look at the author's name, and when I looked up from my phone, there was a random guy staring at me. I'm not good with ages, but I would say he was probably in his 50s or 60s. I remember he was holding an umbrella, which I thought was weird because it wasn't raining. I asked him if I could help him with something, and he just kept staring at me silently for like a solid five seconds before he walked past me and out the door. I was a little unnerved, but I didn't think much of it. I went further in to look for my book, and finally I found it in the back somewhere, a good distance from the entrance. I picked it up, but then I got this feeling I was being watched. I looked over, and the same guy was half-standing behind the stacks, clutching his umbrella, looking at me with one bloodshot eye, breathing through his mouth. I can still see him so clearly in my head. Honestly, I nearly pissed myself. To make it perfectly clear how creepy this was, I wanted him to leave the library, like... The door shut behind him leave. To get to where he was, he would have had to walk back in, all the way to the back of the library, around me, and then go behind the stacks. This all happened in pretty quick succession, too. So he must have started following me as soon as I turned my back on him, to have gotten there in that frame of time. Ever since then, I haven't seen him around. It still gives me the creeps just thinking about it to this day. My friend from college told me a harrowing story that happened to her and her friends in high school. She is from Buffalo, New York, and often went on camping trips to local upstate campgrounds. When she was a senior, her and four other friends went to a campsite fitted with rows of cabins on the water that people could rent. As the sun went down, the girls noticed that their neighbors a few cabins down, a group of guys similar in age, were playing music and grooving around the campfire, drinking beers. One of the guys asked them all if they wanted to join. When they got over there and started hanging with the guys, everything seemed completely normal and they were having a good time. As the night progressed, one of the guys there started to get blackout drunk and eventually pulled out a revolver that he said belonged to his dad. He started waving it around and playing with it. This obviously freaked everyone out, his friends included. 
Eventually, he started pointing the gun to his head and laughing while his friends were yelling at him to put it away and how that was not funny. The girls at this point were fairly disturbed and told the guys that they should get back to their cabin and said their goodbyes. When they got back to their cabin, they all talked about how freaky that was and experienced concern for the drunk guy. Then they moved on to other topics of conversation and forgot about it for the time being. A few hours later, sometime in the middle of the night, they heard a loud bang coming from the direction of their neighbor's cabin. Shortly after this, a brigade of cop cars showed up to the scene. One officer came to my friend's cabin and started asking them questions about the cabin they visited earlier that night. When my friend asked the officer what happened, he explained that the kid had shot himself in the head in front of his friends. They weren't able to discern if it was suicide or accidental. My friend to this day still has PTSD over the incident and explained that she rarely goes camping anymore. This has been ongoing, and I can't decide if I'm overreacting or not. I've worked my job for six years, very small manufacturing plant. All that time, we've had the same janitor come in the afternoons. When I first got hired, he'd come in my office to clean, and I always said hello and thanked him, but he never said a word back. I heard him speak to my boss as normal as anyone, once or twice, but never to me. That got really uncomfortable. So I stopped saying anything, and I started leaving my office when he'd arrive. Eventually, I didn't need to leave my office because he changed his routine and didn't mind when I was gone for the day. The past year, whenever I walk past him and get out of view, he lets out this cackle or makes a high-pitched ooh noise. It's weird, uncomfortable, and puts me on edge. Others have heard him do this and have pointed out he's only doing it when I go by. There are times I've avoided getting something I needed because he's cleaning in the space I need to get it from. Last week I was leaving work and my coworker caught him peeking around the corner of a narrow hallway near the exit. So she stopped and waited for me. As I approached where she was and happened to look down that hallway, he's standing still in the middle of it in the dark, staring in our direction. I told my boss about the hallway and the other laughing incident. He said he'd run a background check just to see about him and to make sure I'm not the last to leave the building anymore. Not that I ever was. I told him I didn't feel threatened, but that these instances are odd and only happening to me, so it's not comfortable. I don't know. Am I overreacting? My gut says something is off. I'm a 20-year-old guy and was born and raised in central London. I am very familiar with the potential dangers in central London and I am usually a very cautious person and tend to not find myself in sketchy situations. On this day, however, I know I have no one to blame but myself for having allowed myself and the love of my life to be in a scenario of potential danger. Having grown up in central London, you quickly learned which areas to avoid, as you do in every big city. And being as cautious as I usually am, I knew better than to have been where I was at that time of day. Me and my current girlfriend, Mia, had been hanging out earlier on in our relationship, and one thing we loved to do was to meet up after work, and seeing as it was summer, the sun would be out until quite late in the evening, so we would hang out in one of the central London's biggest parks, Hyde Park. We would usually stay in the more populated areas of the park, and we would sometimes have a drink while we enjoyed the sunset together, sitting on the grass or by the lake. On this evening, we were doing exactly that, just sitting on the grass, and we had a small bottle of vodka that we were sharing between us. We felt like having a drink, seeing as we had a stressful week at work, 
and was just chilling. For some reason though, this evening had a strange vibe to it. I remember me and my girlfriend talking about her grandmother, who she told me believed in tarot card readings and had done a reading for her before she left her country to move to London. And during the reading, her grandmother had told her something along the lines of, In London, you will find happiness, and it's somewhere you need to be. But also, something really bad will happen to you while you're there. And for some reason, this put me on edge, seeing as we were in early stages of our relationship. And not to say I generally believe in any of those things, but I'm not necessarily a non-believer either. Anyway, the sun was starting to go down, and it got to a point where we were both sort of buzzed from the vodka. And at this point, I guess we were both feeling some sexual tension, and both of us kind of had the same look in our eyes, as if to say, let's find somewhere quiet where we can be alone. And this was when, in retrospect, the cautious side of me should have been the dominant force and told me to quit it. Wrong place wrong time. But no, instead both of us were thinking with our genitals. Now, I know parks at night in London are known to be not the safest places with the odd crackhead here and there and usually sketchy shit goes down in the middle of the night. Anything from addicts to sexual assaultists. So, I had never really hung out in parks until late at night. As we both decided to look for somewhere quieter, we walked deeper into Hyde Park, towards a more sort of forested area with a huge mansion-style building and a dimly lit path for cyclists and pedestrians. There were a bunch of trees over to the side in pitch darkness where we thought, okay, this looks fine. There's a big building about 100 meters from here and a fairly lit path, albeit no one to be seen so it seems secluded enough for us to possibly hook up in peace, but not so secluded that anything sketchy will go down. Well, I was wrong. As we stepped off the path into the trees, we walked deeper into the trees, and Mia pulled on my arm. Babe, I just saw something moving over there. As she pointed in some trees and bushes about 20 meters away, I think I saw someone walking just over there. That is when I, being as cautious as I usually am, should have said nope and made a U-turn and left. But no, I told her to wait there. Got my flashlight from my phone out and walked over to where she said she had seen the person. I looked around and didn't see anyone or anything, so I walked back over to her and we agreed it was probably shadows from the trees probably playing tricks on our imagination. After checking a couple of the trees with low-hanging branches, we found one we thought we'd sit under, and as the branches were hanging really low down right to the ground, it created a sort of perimeter around us where anyone walking down the lit path would be unable to see us. We would see out of the foliage and branches, however, and could see lights from the main road, faintly from the opposite side of the park, we were really deep into the park on the less populated side. All in all, once we have arrived, I'm pretty sure both she and I were no longer feeling as romantic as we were before and felt more on edge than anything else. Sitting down against the tree trunk with her on my lap, we were making out. I felt we were relaxed at this point and the shadows she had seen just before were slowly slipping to the back of our minds. As we were making out, a strange feeling compelled me to open my eyes. And as I did, I noticed the silhouette of what in that split second my brain associated to be. Two thick tree branches from the low-hanging branches. But they caught my attention, and as my brain began to process what they were, and the longer I looked, I had processed that it was, in fact, a pair of legs. And as I followed those legs up, the silhouette of a hooded man standing there, not moving a muscle. And even though it was a pitch black silhouette, I was sure I could feel this man's gaze. 
I was 100% sure he was staring directly at us. My heart skipped a beat. Somehow I managed to keep just calm enough to whisper in Mia's ear, Babe, there's someone standing right there watching us. Get up. I don't think she really understood me, but understood enough to turn around to see what I was talking about. At which point she screams, Babe, there's someone there. The man does not move. He doesn't flinch. He doesn't react and it's possibly the most frightening part of this encounter. Normally, when someone is up to no good, upon being caught, they would react in some way, whether they panic and run, or whether it triggers them to act upon their intentions. But instead, nothing. He stood there still, staring at us. Didn't say a word. Just as she screamed, I told her to get up, and so I did, and I moved in front of her almost waiting for some sort of reaction from this man, or expecting something else to jump out from somewhere. I'm waiting to see what his move is so I can react. I was split between confronting him, making a run for it, or waiting for him to make his move. In those ten seconds of indecision, he slowly turns to his left and begins walking away, seemingly unbothered. And this was the moment I saw fit to get Mia and myself from out under that tree and onto the lit path. While doing so, not taking my eyes off of what I could still see of the man through the trees, I could still see his legs walking away until he seemingly just vanished. Once we reached the path, my first thought was to grab the bottle of vodka we had from earlier, knowing we had to follow the path towards the exit from the park, or at least to a more populated section of the park the direction of the path also being the direction the creepy guy had seemed to walk in. Hence me holding onto the glass bottle of vodka, thinking that if things go bad or worse, at least I can attempt to use it as some sort of protection. We follow the path, Mia holding onto me tightly. My awareness levels have now shot through the moon, head on swivel. Having followed the path for what felt like an eternity, we finally reached civilization and immediately left the park. Every now and then, I still get flashbacks of the image of that silhouette of a man just standing there staring at me. I've thought about what his intentions could have been, and many things came to mind. But one thing I am certain of is that his intentions were most definitely not good. Since then, neither of us have returned to any park at night, nor have we gone to secluded areas of any park for any reason. A lesson learnt. That could have been easily avoided, seeing as I wasn't oblivious to potential threats and dangers in parks at night. I've always known better, and I deeply regret having allowed myself to be put in a position along with someone I deeply care about where she or I could have been harmed. I know the story is probably a little anticlimactic and isn't as scary to everyone as it was for me, but it certainly scared the living shit out of us, and to this day, the image of that motionless silhouette standing there, staring at us, had not left my mind. This occurred around 1999 or 2000. My best friend and I were avid outdoor adventurers and amateur pot growers. We would frequently find secluded places in the woods that allowed for ample light and shade for plants to grow, and that would not only let them be easily found. One particular day, we went to an annex of trails located near a New Jersey State Park trail system. The trails weren't in the park, but I had hiked them before and knew they weren't that frequented. We had gone out that day with our seeds partially sprouted in moist, wet towels. We parked the car at the trailhead and started hiking in. We covered a mile or so and then ventured off the trail and into the woods. We found a clearing, planted the seeds, and tied a few barely visible ribbons off to mark the way to the plant spots to check them in the future. 
My friend and I got back on the trail and started walking back to the car when my friend noticed a man in the other direction just staring at us. He was probably in his 30s or 40s, bald head, normal clothes. We didn't think anything of it for the most part, but we kept looking back as anyone would when someone is behind them in the woods. We saw that he was walking 60 plus or so feet behind us. It seemed weird, but it was probably more so due to us having anxiety than we planted seeds. We picked up the pace, but the man also seemed to pick up the pace as we weren't gaining any distance. At one point, we decided to just get off the trail and let him pass. We turned off the trail and walked into a thicket of sticker bushes, which I remember vividly getting shredded on. We got deeper into the woods and heard cursing. When we turned around, the man was coming through where we had entered. It was at that moment we actually became scared. Mind you, we were two young, strong 19-year-olds, but a man following you into the woods is freaking creepy. We made kind of a U-maneuver to outflank him and came out of the woods a bit further down the trail. Once on the trail, we ran. As we were running, there was a fork in the trail and my friend went right and I went left. I realized my mistake as my buddy was going down the correct path and I wasn't. So I turned around and started running back towards the fork to follow my friend. As I was running towards the direction we came from to get to the fork, I could see the man running towards me down the trail. He was a distance away but not far enough in my eyes. Survival mode kicked in and I ran as hard as I could. I caught up to my friend who was waking at this point. I screamed, he's after us, and we both booked it all the way to the car. We got in the car, shaking and out of breath. We backed up and started to get out of the parking lot when the man appeared at the trailhead. He stopped there and just stared at us as we drove away. I always wonder what that was all about. Didn't he want to kill a couple of 19 years old? Was he also doing something illegal in those woods and wanted us gone? My buddy and I still laugh and talk about that day 22 years ago. About two years ago, me and my family moved from New Jersey to Florida for a fresh start. Before I start my encounter, I want to iterate my mental state at the time because it contributes to how I acted at the time of the story. So, the night of the move, my mother got a call from a close family friend. She had just became pregnant and had started to have complications and feared she had lost the baby. My mother, being the awesome woman she is, went over to help and watch her young son, can't remember his age at the time, and calm our friend down and told her to go to the hospital to be sure and to check her. She and her husband rushed to the hospital and luckily she hadn't lost the baby. But it wasn't until one in the morning until my mother got back and I was still up waiting for her to get back. So yes. We were dead tired the next day when we had to pack everything up for the long trip to our new Florida home. While my father, who had slept through the whole ordeal the night before, was not, but that's just me bitching. Anyway, I'm driving with my mother while my father's in another car, and I'm not exactly happy about the move. So tired and upset, we continued with our trip. We've always driven from New Jersey to Florida for years and never had any really weird experiences out on the road. I'm not sure about my parents, but they've never talked about anything creepy in my 22 years I've been alive, and I traveled with them. And trust me, they love to tell stories, and I do too. So, when this happened, I was wholly unprepared for it. I certainly didn't help what happened the night before either. So, we stop at one of the many stops on our way to Florida, and I think we were in the Carolinas, or somewhere near there, when we stopped. Now, if you've ever traveled before by car, a rest stop is a place kind of like a civic center slash rest area. These places are for travelers who either need a minute to stretch, go to the bathroom, or a place where they can safely rest for the night in their cars. 
These places are usually well lit and they have vending machines for anyone who needs a snack or a drink. It was late, maybe about nine at night, and we had stopped to stretch our legs and go to the bathroom. I wanted a few snacks, so I asked my mother for some ones. She gave them to me, and I entered the nice little enclosed area that contained the machines. So I'm standing there, alone, picking what I want when this woman comes in. She's a short, skinny, older woman who dressed nice with bleach blonde hair. When I glanced at her and smiled politely, she came right up to me and holds out her hand for a shake and introduces herself. I don't remember what it was. Dumbfounded, I shake her hand back and stupidly told her my name. After that, she launches into the tale of woe about how she lost her wedding ring, had a head wound, and that her car was out of gas and she needed some money and other things that I honestly can't remember. And I'm just standing there listening and trying to figure out how to get out of the situation. Now, you have to understand this was literally the first time anyone had ever approached me at one of these stops. Mostly because I think I don't have the most friendly of faces for someone to approach for help. Even though I'm a girl, I'm tall at around 5'5", five 5'6". Five, five I'm taller than most girls, especially for this woman. Broad-shouldered and I resemble my father. Who doesn't have the most welcoming of faces either and acts it? But me? I'm a bleeding heart and I never want to be rude to people. But in this situation, I would have been if it hadn't been so out of the blue. When I'm in situations that are new to me, I tend to freeze up and can't think. I don't know how to act or what to do when in situations I'm not expecting. As you can guess, I'm a big introvert and socially awkward, and I don't have a problem with telling people to F off. But in this station, I'm outright too panicking and just want to get away from this weird woman. And I say weird because that head injury I mentioned, she didn't have one, not even a bruise. And she was talking so fast and nonstop, I couldn't even tell her, no, I can't help her or even try. For some reason, being polite was more important than getting the F away from her. So I'm standing there, exhausted to my bones, about to shove what little money I have at her so she would just go away when my mother walks in. My badass of a mother came right in, I'm taller than her by the way, and says what? I can't, and tells me to come with her. The woman takes a step back and I realize just how close she was. I haven't even realized she was readily coming closer as she was talking. She tells my mother how beautiful and nice I am when really I look like a greasy mess because I don't care about my appearance when I take a road trip. My mother doesn't really respond and she has me by the arm, walking towards the bathroom asking if I'm okay. The woman got the F out of there and goes the opposite direction of where she said her car was. Looking back on it all, at the time I thought it was just weird and I was certainly weirded out by it all, but I just thought whatever. But after listening to YouTube Reddit posts of Let's Not Meet and the such, I realized how lucky I was two years later that the situation hadn't escalated. I think the reason why she approached me was probably because the ones I mentioned earlier they were folded and it looked like I had a lot on me when I only had about six or seven dollars on me and because it was probably obvious to her how tired I was and how much of an easy score she could have probably gotten in my tired grumpy state. So if anyone reads this, I hope you aren't planning on traveling alone, but if you are, please be careful of people, even completely normal looking ones. You can never be too careful, especially all the people looking for an easy score. This was about four or five-ish years ago. Back then, I lived with my mother in a shed on a farm surrounded by woodland. Our farmland was part of a larger piece of farmland that was split up and sold off. So we did have neighbors, though they were roughly half a kilometer away each. We love that because of the privacy. 
It wasn't like there was somebody nearby I couldn't go to if I needed help. That thought is, what's had me fearlessly walking alone at night between the hours of 7 and 8 p.m., sometimes fluctuating from earlier to later depending on the day? Sometimes I even went out on a walk at 2 a.m. in the morning because I was restless and couldn't sleep. Looking back, this was incredibly stupid. And after this incident, I never walked after 6 p.m. ever again, always making sure there was at least some sunlight left when I set out. The route I always took was a road circuit. The first part was out in the open in front of all the other farms, including my own. If anything had happened, at least one person would have noticed, and reception was pretty good, so I would have also been able to call someone. The second half, on the other hand, was concealed by about 200 meters of woods between the farms and the back road, stretching a full two kilometers at the back of the farm, and it was during that part of the walk when I had this creepy encounter. It was late at night, I can't remember what time exactly, but it was pitch black with the exception of my torchlight. I was about to approach the turn in the loop that would bring me out into the open again when I heard it. Help. It was this monotone voice that repeatedly asked for help. I didn't seem panicked in the least. I took my headphones out and turned my music off to make sure I was hearing correctly, but it didn't stop. Help. Help. A very stupid part of me almost responded. Because for some reason, my first incident was, oh no, someone's in trouble. Like a naive kid, even though I would have been like 16 or 17 at the time. Of course, then my brain kicked in and I realized that approaching that voice was about the stupidest thing I could do. So I started quietly backing away. Unfortunately, my cat had followed me on the walk and wasn't backing away with me. No, she was walking towards the voice, softly hissing. I remember desperately trying to get her to come back towards me without alerting the voice to my presence, just in case they hadn't noticed me yet. But I was getting scared and didn't want to stay there a moment longer more, so I ran forwards and grabbed her, then turned around and bolted back towards my house. I don't know if it was stupid of me to turn my back to the voice as I was making so much noise while running that there was no way they didn't know I was there, and I had no way of knowing if they were giving chase. I was so effing terrified that whole time. The image of someone cloaked in shadows chasing me entered my mind, and even though I couldn't hear anyone behind me, I never once slowed down until I was back safe and sound within my house. It doesn't end there, though. Despite how terrifying it was, there was still a part of me that was concerned about whoever it was. Because what if they really had needed help? So I asked my mother to drive us to the location. Another very stupid decision, considering what we found. That being nothing. We called out and called out, but nobody answered. We didn't get out of our car, though. Luckily, neither of us were that stupid. We drove home, having seen nothing and no one, but it still bothered me in the morning, so I had my mom drive us over again and we searched the immediate area. Nothing. No indication that anyone had been there. There was nobody, which admittedly was a drastic thing to search for, but I know shock can leave you eerily calm, which could have explained the monotone voice and the lack of response afterwards made me fear that we'd been too late and find a body in the morning. I don't know if I would have preferred this outcome, because at least then I would have had a face to the voice. But no, we found absolutely nothing, and to this day I have no idea who that voice belonged to and why they were monotonously calling out for help. My mind has naturally come to some chilling conclusions and theories that leave me unable to sleep. Sexual assaultist, kidnapper, serial killer, all the classic scary stories. But I guess I'll never really know for sure.
I want to tell you this story to warn others. I'm an 18-year-old female living in Maryland, United States. I work at a very popular burger restaurant. I work at the payment window, which is where I stand all night. I'm very friendly. I know sometimes a smile and compliment can make someone's day a little better. Just this same night, before the creeper came, I had a customer tell me I was so effing happy and she loved me for it. That gave me the courage and energy to survive this next interaction. I'm used to the awkward comments and stares from old men. I'm sure it's my friendliness that attracts them. Our uniforms are not revealing. They think I'm naive. Maybe I am. A lot more than I thought. I'm fully aware of the dangers of trafficking. This particular old man came through just before six. He pretended to not hear his order, then laughed, like it was a joke between two friends. This is not uncommon. It's an old man thing. No red flags as of yet. I tell him his total, and he hands me all but the change. When he does this, he waves the money around, making me chase it. I was able to snatch the cash, but again, it was just an old man thing. Not concerned at all. He stared at the company name on my shirt and asked if that was my name. I don't wear a name tag for this reason. I joked that I was going to change my name permanently to that. He perked up. At this point, I should state that he was white, mid-60s to 70s, driving a small white SUV with a kayak on top. He had some scruff on his face and was holding a phone to his ear this entire time. When I finally began to engage with him, he moved the phone to be facing me. Looking back, I believe he was recording me. At no point did he speak into the phone or acknowledge it in any way. He probed with more pressing questions. Here's the thing. I have the same last name as anyone from U.S. history. Most old people like talking about that stuff. So I told him my last name. He didn't reflect or laugh. He just accepted and continued asking questions. That's when I started to get this sinking feeling. He still owed me change, I told him. He grabbed another dollar and handed it to me, but he wouldn't let it go. He wanted to know my first name, and I dodged answering because I was getting creeped out. He wouldn't let go of the money and was practically drooling for more data about me. I gave him a name that I don't use, and he smiled, finally letting go. I got his change and told him to have a nice day. I then immediately left the window and told one of my co-workers about the weird experience. He returned just two hours later. I didn't recognize his car on the cameras until he got to my window. I hadn't thought about too much of our interaction and was busy texting my dad about whether or not a chicken sandwich was a burger. My stomach dropped when I saw his face. I have many regulars, all of whom I have been happy to see. I hope he doesn't become one. I'll call the police. He smiled and said, Hey, the one with the last name. I half smiled back and wished for the days when we all wore masks. I tell him his total and he makes me chase the money again. For the entire time, he had his phone against his ear, facing me. He starts asking even more intimate questions about me. I lie or dodge them the best that I can, giving him zero correct answers, wanting our interaction to be as short as possible. Some of the questions he asked me, How often do you work? What time do you leave? How old are you? From that point on, I knew he wouldn't leave without a number and I had a nasty feeling the younger would have been better. So I said, probably 20s. He joked about me being legal. I made a face and tried to get his change even faster. He asked if I had a boyfriend. I was getting more and more nervous, so my answers started getting more sarcastic. I told him boys were troubled. He specifically talked about himself and said he'd treat me right. I handed him his receipt and told him to have a good night. He threw his hands in the air and was saying, Don't be like that. I'll treat you right. I shut my window and said bye. He made a bit of a fuss, but eventually drove forward. 
from his question about when I got off work, I believed he was watching the restaurant. I was shaking by this time and called my mom. She immediately drove up. I talked to my manager and I was a little unsure of the car's color, so he checked the camera for me. Shout out to my manager, by the way. He's the best. I continued at my window, watching for the old guy, but I didn't see him again. I left an hour early and gave my manager specific instructions to not place a girl at my window. He agreed. These interactions are unfortunately what cause former happy and cheerful service workers to become sour and quiet. I think I'll be taking a couple of days off. I had already had another job lined up, and I'm excited to start it. Thank you for listening to my story. P.S. Always make sure that you are aware of your surroundings at all times. Okay, folks. So, this happened when I was 14. I'm 29 as of the time I'm writing this. I remember this story from time to time, meaning like once or twice every few weeks. It still gets me in a weird mood for some reason. Anyways, I was walking with one of my friends in the city the other day. I tried holding her hand, but then she thought I just bumped into her and apologized, so I was able to recover smoothly. Then I saw a group of kids skateboard past us, and lo and behold, that was the thing that sparked this memory, so I figured I'd write it down. So I'm not going to use this kid's real name, so I'll just call him Benny. I come from a town where the people you went to school with in kindergarten were the same kids you graduated with. Benny moved to our school about halfway through the year. When new kids came to our school, everybody flocked to them. At 14, I was kind of a dork, but also kind of a douche, which makes me surprisingly likable to most people. Benny would always sit by himself during lunch. Something I found amusing about him was that he would get infuriated if people asked him if he skated. I took that as a challenge to try and piss him off, and it worked. The first time he and I had a class together, I remember the teacher asking him if he had his books yet. He responded with, My wife never confirmed my school schedule with the front office. I remember everyone thought that was funny. You're 14 years old and you have a wife? He was clearly trying to get one over on the teacher. My friends and I were skating after school and we saw Benny. I remember talking to my friends about what he had said. And we all became oddly infatuated with this kid. It took some time, but after about a week of letting him hang out with us, he became one of the boys. One of my buddies asked him if we could go sleep at his house on Friday night under the guise that we took turns at staying at each other's houses to skate, play video games, and smoke the green stuff. He looked perturbed, which is something I wish mattered to me back then, but the next day at school, he did say it was okay after asking his parents. My buddies and I rode our bikes to where he lived with clothes for the night and our skateboards strapped to our bags. We met his family, who at face value seemed completely fine. Then things got a little weird. First, his dad had a huge weapons collection. At the time, I thought it was awesome. He even took us out onto a field by a canal to shoot some of the assault rifles. I know is that this wasn't cool of him without my parents' consent. Next, we met Benny's wife. Yeah, the girl was real. She was also 26. While we lived in the southern U.S., even this was taboo. They would, like, hold hands and stuff. At the time, we thought this was dope. It was like dating a senior when you're a freshman, only he was in high school and she paid taxes. Things kind of got to a new level of weird when Benny's dad had his arm around Benny's mom and his other arm around a girl that couldn't have been terribly older than we were at the time. Apparently, that was also his wife. We then spent about two hours praying with the family in the living room. I was raised Catholic, but couldn't determine which religion they were practicing. Once we finished with that, we went outside to start skateboarding. 
After a few minutes, his dad came outside and ordered us into the house. Vinny's mother then had us stand in a line outside of the bathroom to take a bath. It still skeeves me out, but I remember we weren't allowed to drain the water from the tub. I was the last one to bathe. Also, all of the mirrors in the house were covered with sheets. I don't know the significance of this. It makes more sense to me to not have mirrors at that point. We were told to go to bed even though the sun wasn't even quite down yet. Benny went to bed with his wife. The three of us that remained just laid there in one single queen-sized bed and talked about how much fun we weren't having. The final straw for the night was having to hear Benny's parents, and maybe the other woman, doing the dirty in the next room. It was also 11 p.m. when we decided to just get on our bikes and leave. It was dark and we had to ride through some bad neighborhoods, but we made it safely to my buddy's house. Benny's mother would also later call our parents and leave some cryptic messages, which implied trouble. Benny was pulled from school about a week later, and we never saw him again. I don't know what that family was into. Maybe it wasn't creepy at all, and I just didn't understand. All I know is that we felt very uncomfortable. I have no issues with religion. But if this was part of their practice, I think it's a little weird. Out of curiosity, I went to find Benny on Facebook. All I can confirm is that he, his mother father and one of his sisters had died. There were no public records of what happened to them or if they even died at the same time. Probably not the creepiest story out there, but one I still come back to. It's worth the tell and it's an interesting memory. I'll preface this by saying we were 12 or 13 at the time. My friend and I often snuck out of each other's houses during sleepovers for late night walks. This was the basis of this terrifying encounter and it stopped us from ever sneaking out after dark again. My friend lived opposite a huge forest so her house was the preferred choice to sneak out of for us to roam around at night because the forest was more scary and thrilling and we always took flashlights, food, and blankets so we could camp out for a couple of hours before going back home again. Well, on this fateful night, we inadvertently fell asleep instead of staying awake, so when my friend suddenly jolted me from sleep, it was past 3 a.m., a lot later than we usually snuck out. We grabbed our essentials and creeped out of the back door into the old, cold, dark night. Frost crunched underfoot as we crossed the deserted road and as we reached the entrance to the forest. We noticed how pitch black and completely silent it was. Unnervingly so, we turned on our torches and stepped into the uneven path into the forest, the light illuminating the trees swaying in the icy wind. We stepped on fallen sodden leaves and bark as we made an unsteady but familiar way into our favorite part of the forest our cold breath the only noise to invade the deafening silence. We reached the small hut we constructed one afternoon, made entirely of sticks purely for the purpose of having some shelter for our campouts. There were times that vandals or other kids damaged our hut, but for the most part it stayed intact. But on this occasion, it was completely destroyed, like a harbinger of worse to come. We were just deciding to just call it a night and come back later on that day to repair the hut when we heard it. This loud shrieking giggle that made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. My friend and I jumped up in shock and looked at each other like, what the hell? We were completely freaked out. The eerie and unnatural giggle rang out again, contradicting the silence and making my body break out in goosebumps. Someone is in here, my friend whispered to me, looking utterly terrified. We have to go now. Her voice of rationale made it even more scary and unnerving to me that someone was in the forest with us at three o'clock in the morning. 
We just looked at each other in ascent and took off running in unison, our footsteps navigating the path as naturally as we could for muscle memory. Our uneven gasps of air punctuated the giggling that seemed to be following us, getting closer and closer. Our torches' light went up and down with our fast movements, illuminating random patches of the trees and bushes as we finally saw a small sliver of light as we came to the forest entrance. Running out of the forest, we didn't stop until we reached the back door of my friend's house and almost collapsed in a breathless heap of relief to be safe. Then, my friend's eyes went wide and she nudged me, pointing a shaky finger to across the road. A haggard woman of intermediate age was standing at the forest entrance giggling that awful, horrifying giggle and was waving over at us. We screamed and ran inside and looked out of my friend's bedroom window through the smallest gap in the curtain and could still see the woman standing there. Worse yet, she was staring right at us as if she knew we were there. We could tell she was still giggling that hideous appalling laugh. She turned very slowly and walked back into the forest again. We never went back to that forest, nor went out after dark ever again. When I was a sophomore in high school, I lived about a 15-minute walk, max, from my school. It was on the same street and only passed one intersection with residential houses on all sides. I have never walked home before in my entire life, as my parents insisted on always driving me, since I lived in a crime-ridden city. Mostly robbers and gangs, because, you know, poverty. My parents divorced around the time I hit 10th grade, and my dad moved out, leaving behind my sisters and mom at our house. My mom rented out the extra room and garage to my cousin and one of her friends and her boyfriend. I remember my mom had asked me to walk home since she was working a double shift at work that day. I didn't have any keys at the time, and she assured me that someone would be home. Most likely my cousin, since he was between jobs and was shutting himself in the garage smoking pot all day long for weeks now. I said yes and assured her I didn't mind. After school ended, I started my walk home. I was in a big crowd of kids walking home, up until the intersection, where we all deviated, and I was the only kid walking down my side of the street. As I kept walking, a black or dark colored SUV parked about 20 feet from where I was. I didn't think anything of it, eventually passed the car and kept walking. As I passed the car, the car started slowly driving along the sidewalk, still close to the curb, staying within about a few yards behind me. I could hear their engine stay the same distance from me. I took out a small compact mirror from my shoulder bag, faking that I was checking my face and saw the car still driving slowly occasionally getting into the driving lane to pass up a parked vehicle and then got close to the sidewalk again. The windows were a bit tinted and I couldn't see their face. I kept my same pace as to not raise any alarms and I was getting within view of my home. I saw there was no parked cars in the driveway. My heart instantly dropped because I knew this meant no one was home and I didn't have any keys to my house since I never walked home. As I walked towards the house, the car parked right in front of my house and didn't move. I checked my backyard fence and I was relieved to find it unlocked and went through. I booked it to an outside bathroom where I locked myself in. I called my boyfriend to come and get me and didn't move from that spot until he came. All in all, it took my boyfriend about 15 minutes to get there and he said there was nobody there when he got there. I was afraid he was going to come back and break into the house or something, but I never saw him or that van again. This happened in the early to mid-80s. I live in Kenner, Louisiana, and a friend and I would ride our bikes everywhere. No parents cared or knew where we went as long as we were home by dark. Anyway, 
There was a large airport a few miles from my house, and we could ride our bikes along a levee and get really close to the back runway and sit and watch the airplanes land. It was really cool. There were train tracks that ran behind there too, that ran off into the swamp that we would play on. Put coins on the tracks and let them get smashed and once or twice we jumped onto and off of moving trains. Anyway, an unsupervised kid's dream. So one day, we were back there effing around and this guy shows up. Mid-30s, I guess. Really nice. No bad vibes that we saw anyway. He befriended us would ask when we were coming back and would meet up with us out there. He brought us cigarettes. Yep, we smoked at 12 years old. Soft drinks, all kinds of stuff. Well, one day, he offered us lunch, but we had to go back to his trailer. We were dumb kids, so we agreed and rode our bikes to his house. It was in the woods, no neighbors, and it was two of us, so what could happen, right? Anyway, we go in and he gives us a couple sandwiches and a Coke. I looked at the table and there's a Hustler magazine and a couple other hardcore porn mags and some gay magazines. He tells us to go ahead. He doesn't mind if we look at them. And we do. Shit, we were 12 and full of hormones. Well, he proceeds to tell us he's gay. I didn't know what gay was. It wasn't talked about and I wasn't interested if it was. He went on to say that he wouldn't ask us to do anything we didn't want to do, but he would if we wanted to, and just really was acting like a salesman for being gay. I don't know any other way to explain it. My friend and I both got the same bad vibe and decided that it was time to go. He asked us when we would come back and we made something up, and he said he would meet us then. I'm sure he was planning something. I don't know why he let us leave. He never touched us or tried anything, but this was the one and only time we went to his trailer and the last time we went behind the airport. I'm sure if we would have went back, it would have been a different story though. I'm positive he was setting something up to do to us. It seems like there were a lot of predators in the 80s. I have the perfect story. Here goes. This happened about a week ago, so I had biked to school with my best friend. We were going to stay after school to work on a project together. Anyways, so it worked out. On our bike ride home from school, we decided not to go straight home and that we wanted to go on a small bike ride down a path by the park that will lead us back to my house anyways. When we were unchaining our bikes from the bike racks, I noticed like a red Dodge Dakota across from the school. Just an FYI, we live in a pretty small town, so most of the kids who get picked up, we know what cars they get into, and what cars hang around the school at pickup time, as well as what cars the teachers and students own that drive themselves to school, or at least somewhat of an idea but I usually didn't see that one. And it was probably like an hour and a half past the time school got out, but it could have been someone's relative picking them up or whatever, so I really didn't think much of that. We started biking our path, and after about five minutes, my friend told me the red truck was driving on the road next to the sidewalk we were biking on, but it was a little behind us. I told her that it's probably fine and just a coincidence and that they probably were going home or live around here, so we kept going. But he didn't stop. After about 10 or more minutes of him still following us, then I started getting a little concerned. We ended up continuing until we got to a gas station because then at least there would be people around and less of a chance of something happening so we park our bikes and went inside. We grabbed drinks and a snack to not make it look odd that we were in there, but while we were in there, I called my brother to come get us and that there was someone following us in a red car. He told us he would be right there and to just stay inside, so we did. 
We paid for our snacks and told the cashier about it, and she let us just sit there until my brother came. My brother pulled in, and so we walked out to get our bikes when we couldn't find them. We looked around and saw the red truck pulled behind the gas station with our bikes right next to it. The man that was driving it was looking right at us. We went and told my brother. He said forget about the bikes and to get into the car. So we did. My brother got out of the car and went into the gas station to get the employee. And while he was doing that, the man sped off out of the back parking lot of the gas station. When my brother came back out, he said that the gas station worker was going to check out the back cameras and see if she can get a license plate to give to the police and that my brother gave her our mom's information for any updates. We both made it home safe. If anything happens, I'll be writing up an update. And that, dear listeners, brings a close to these true creepy encounters. If you are sleeping, I hope Slumberland is treating you comfortably. If you're awake, I hope you've enjoyed this collection. Until next time, please take care of yourselves. Have yourself a good morning, a good afternoon, or good evening. Peace, love, and light to you all.